Welcome into the podcast, everybody. It is Wednesday, 12 noon, and you are at the right place. Easter is coming. You are probably coming to church. But the better question is, who's coming with you? This is The Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to The Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper into the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Welcome in, everybody online. If you're watching on Facebook, hello, YouTube. Hello, if you're just listening in your car or at, on the way to work or after we've done the podcast live, wherever you are, however you are hearing this content, we're so glad to have you with us for this special episode of the Deep End Podcast here at Waters Church. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor of Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. We have three locations, one in North Attleboro, one in Milford, one in Woonsocket. Oh, and we have a location in Norwood, Massachusetts as well. But you are joining us, and we're so glad to have you here. Let us know in the comments where you're watching from, either on YouTube or on Facebook. We love to hear about where people are tuning in from. Joining me in the studio today is our Director of Pastoral Care, Chris McEwen. Hello, Chris. Hello. And over next to Chris, you see the handsomely dressed man <laughs> next to him, almost as handsome as me, ladies and gentlemen. Am I the Very only close. handsome person here? Well, your I mean, your looks speak mm-hmm. for themselves. Thank you. I'm, I'm not going to say what they say, but they speak for themselves. Right. Yeah. Okay. And loud. Yep. So we got Jealous. Ryan. We got Ryan Tepper Hello. in the studio today. Hello, Good Ryan. Good afternoon. How are you? Glad to have you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, Ryan and I, you'll see, and Chris, actually, we're all wearing our jackets because we're cool. Cool kid we're, club. Yeah. We're trying to stay young. And, it, and it's spring, but it's still cold out, so we need jackets. Yeah, it's spring. Yeah. That's all I have. <laughs> Tell that yeah. to the New England meteorologists. Oh, groundhog. Ugh. <laughs> Bad. We won't, we won't, we won't bum Pod, people out. Today. It's a good day. Let's not good, start good, on a negative day. note. Yeah. Happy day. So we were talking about the fact that these jackets, this new style of wearing jackets indoors, mm. me and you were talking about this. Hides the flaws. Yeah. Hides the flaws. <laughs> hides the, hides, the, hides right. the burgeoning yeah. growth <laughs> down in the midsection. And gives us skinny thank, guys bulk. Thank God for this style trend. Yes. So um, today we're going to talk about uh, the power of an invitation, and we'll get to that. But I want to just give, um, Chris, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about our upcoming events, news and updates, of course, Easter weekend, mm. Good Friday, and egg drop. So fill yeah. us in. All right, so starting this weekend, uh, we have baptism class at 11 a.m., so if you signed up, please show up, or uh, if you recently, recently over the last year, given your life to Christ and haven't been baptized, show up this Sunday at 11 o'clock. And then next week, we're looking at a big weekend, right? So we have Good Friday services. We have yeah. two services, one at 5.30 and one at 7 o'clock. And they're the uh, same exact service, same exact but they are service. not the same as the Saturday su- Saturday night and Sunday services. Right. So we have our Good Friday services, and then we're going to have our Easter, Easter weekend Sunday services. Yep. All right. So uh, come out for that. Easter egg drop is going to be uh, the day after Good Friday, so March 31st. We ask that you register on waterschurch.org. Uh, so please register for that event, and all the, the times and information will be on the website. And then our Easter services will be our normal time services. So our Saturday at 4 o'clock, our Sunday at 9.30, and Sunday at 11, uh, 11 o'clock in our North Attleboro campus. But our, our Milford and Winsocket campuses are actually going to be combined in, combined yeah. in Winsocket for, uh, for that one big Easter service. And afterwards, they're going to have an Easter egg hunt after that service. On location. On the location in Winsocket. Yeah. So Milford, Winsocket, go to Winsocket. Right. Easter service, 1030. And then after that service, they're going to have their Easter egg drop. Uh, we also have starting point and grow track classes for April. I just want to announce it's not going to be on April 1st. We normally no. do the first weekend, but it that's Easter kind of productive to do that. So we're going to do it the following week at 8 o'clock, uh, April 8th, April 8th at 1130. And then finally, our Financial Peace University class is starting back up April 10th. Uh, that's going to be on Tuesdays at 630. Mm-hmm. So if that doesn't work for you, don't worry. Uh, 
few months, we'll have another class that'll probably yeah. be on a Saturday or Sunday. But this one's going to be on Tuesday, starting April 10th at 6.30. So great coming off a tithing message that people can uh, get their finances in order. That's right. So I uh, recommend taking that class. And just so you know about the Good Friday services, I meant to make this mention at uh, our all of our weekend services. Unfortunately, I only made the announcement on Saturday night. For Good Friday, here's how it goes. It starts off with um, high-sounding praise and worship, and then it slowly descends into a very somber atmosphere, and our, even the lighting goes down, and the, and the service gets quieter as we reflect on what happened uh, that Friday 2,000 years ago. It was the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do is give you an emotional and physical reminder that there was a very real death by Jesus for our sins. So here's how you help us make that whole moment so special. When you come in, join in the songs and experience the service. But here's what we'd like to do. At the end of the services, we blow out a candle to signify the extinguishing of Jesus's life on the cross. And then we ask that at that moment, from that moment forward, there's no speaking and no talking and no right. noise. So everybody leaves in complete silence. And we're going to work with your kids this year, especially in our children's ministry, to make sure your kids leave quietly. So please partner with us. More information will be coming this weekend about that. And partner with us in making that event or making that moment somber and reflective. Uh, it is a powerful, oh yeah, powerful moment. Last two years, our, we've, we've done that. And both have been were powerful. Were you at Good Friday yeah. last year? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so you know. Yes. It's a powerful moment. Did you talk on your way out? <laughs> no. Excellent. Very good. We got <laughs> one that he's, he plays right. Yeah. Plays by the rules. Also, just so you know, Milford people, it was not by our choice or design to not have Easter on your location. We really wanted to. And we looked around the whole town for alternate meeting locations. The school is not available. Mm. So we had to look. We looked for months. Uh, Shane, our executive pastor, kept looking, could not find anything. Sorry, Milford. There's nothing we could do about this. Um, so join up in Woonsocket, and it'll be a great service. Yeah. I believe it'll be even I think it's a good thing, bringing them together, service. you know, possibly. And yeah. we're all one church. So. Also, Kingdom Builders was last weekend, and we had a good offering come in. Yeah. But I don't want to share any of those details just yet. They're still coming in, and they'll still continue to come in, I believe. Mm -hmm. And our executive pastor, Shane, will be doing some announcements this weekend about that. Well, it was a first fruits offering, right? It was right? first fruits. So there could be a second, a third. There's got to right? be a second There's and third. More we got coming. a lot of things to do. Yeah. Our vision, Waters Church, always outpaces our supply. But we know that without vision, the people perish. So we got a vision for more campuses. We got a vision for lots of things happening. You see us also on TV. Well, you see me on TV preaching now. That's going to grow. I really believe that's going to expand. Oh, we yeah. want to get that across New England someday. Um, and beyond just parking and, and rooms and all that stuff, the good news is we're starting construction on our Junior Elevate room, I think, next week, which oh, is cool. That's great. Going to get the sign up here on the highway, right on the other, opposite side of this wall, actually, is the sign Waters Church that will be uh, illuminated uh, at night so mm -hmm. that when people drive down 95 south or north, they will see all to all hours of the day Waters Church. Thousands of people driving thousands. by every single day are going to see Waters Exciting. Church, Christ being glorified. Amen. That's, yeah. Hopefully they'll come in. Yeah. Easter is in two weekends. So I said on Saturday night, I didn't say it on Sunday, that we were going to do a talk about the power of an invitation. And um, unfortunately, I, did, I didn't think about this when I said it uh, on Saturday night that it would be in two Wednesdays. It doesn't make sense to do it in two Wednesdays. I don't want to give you a rushed feel about inviting people to Easter. I want to give you time. So you have 10 days, <laughs> 10 days to get those invitations out. We're going to help you this weekend because on your way out of the services this weekend, there will be tables in the lobbies of our churches and they will have Easter invitations available for you to take with you. And we want you to give them out. Um, we want you to invite anybody and everybody that you can think of to come on out. Uh, the statistics are out there, and we talked about this at Christmas too on the podcast, that people are far more likely to come to church for an uh, invitation when it's an Easter or <laughs> Christmas service than any other time of the year. That's so true. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about the power of an invitation. And we're going to look at John chapter 1, 6, and 12 in reverse order. So we'll first go to John chapter 12, 6, and 1. Um, and, and I want to talk to you about something that I see in the scriptures and see in the New Testament. It's so cool. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a particular character in the Gospels, somebody that hung out with Jesus a lot, mm. somebody that changed the world, somebody that uh, because of his small decisions 
in inviting uh, really made an eternal and everlasting impact. And he teaches the whole church, the church throughout the generations, that this movement is about inviting people. This movement is about going out and getting new people to come on in and experience the power of Jesus. Right. Now we got Chris here, we got Ryan here, and you guys both invited to Waters Church. Yeah. We're gonna get yeah. to your stories in a moment because your stories about invitation are powerful. Um, and really, we'll get to them right now, actually. We'll get to the fact that you're in the podcast room right now and you're serving Christ mm-hmm. right now because somebody cared enough to say, hey, come to church with me. Yeah. So who, which one wants to go first? Who wants to go first? Go ahead. I, I'll get mine out because it's, uh, it's a little, probably a little quicker. Um, mine happened a little bit long ago. But where I was at in my life, I was searching, I was seeking, and somebody came into my office and uh, I just started talking about different religions and... He slowly introduced me to maybe uh, buying a Bible, opening up a Bible. And then after that, uh, after a couple conversations, I got invited to his church. And the cool thing was I knew this person before I knew that they were involved in the church Mm. or going to a church. So um, I I thought it must be a pretty cool church, you know, because it doesn't look like a priest. Or, you know, for me, growing up with that Catholic mentality. Yeah, it doesn't look... So I thought, and yeah, cool guy. I'll weird. check out the church. So, <laughs> so I checked out the church, and yeah, for a while I I wouldn't all by myself. I didn't have family members or anything coming, and I would just sit in the back and absorb, and wondering why you know all the lights and the smoke, right? And, and the music oh, was yeah. really cool, yeah. and and that actually the music really w- enabled me to invite other people, like come check out this church, yeah. you know. So th- that's what it was for me. It took a couple times, and eventually I just raised my hand, and I got the truth, and I just started reading yeah. and absorbing. But, yeah, I don't know that I would have even known there was a Waters Church in North Attleboro if I hadn't heard or I and hadn't you had been invited. Several, in your business, though, you had several clients that w- did come. And this found out, I found out afterwards. After oh, I you got found s- out afterwards. Well, after I got saved, I started telling people, because I worked at a business where my name was on it, so I yeah. felt emboldened to talk about Jesus as much as I wanted to um, radically, and I did. And then finding out through that conversation, I found out other people were going to Waters Church. And I'm not shaming anybody, but the thought had crossed my mind how come they never invited me? How come they never told me? Yeah. How come it took this one person? And for whatever reason, but it was a cool bonding thing afterwards too that we all went to the same church. You yeah. Know? Or And then I found out other people that necessarily didn't go to Waters Church went to other churches. I didn't know that I knew so many Christians yeah. until I became Christian. And that's, that is a bit of an indictment on the church to say, look, yeah. let's open our mouths a little bit. And we don't have to argue. I'm right. not saying open your mouth to argue and please don't argue, or talk about politics. Yeah. You know, don't talk about our president. Don't None of that stuff. Talk about what God has done in your life and yeah. the fact that you have a, a cool, loving community called your church. Right. And that's it. It's just come to church with me. Mm-hmm. Ryan, same story for you. Yeah. I had been invited to church for probably two years. My mother's been coming to Waters Church for about three years, I'd say. And she'd always text us, me and my two sisters. Yeah. I'm going to church. So anyone wants to come, you can come to church. You should come to church. Or it's, a, it's a great series. Well, yeah, we get it, Ma. You got nothing <laughs> else to do on a Saturday. Go to church. Do your thing. We're okay. And I thought life was okay, fine. Yeah. Everything was, I didn't need it. Yeah. Maybe you need it. It's not for me. Yeah. And then uh, I came once before, saw the awesome lighting and the sound, and said, that's right. pretty cool, but that's for my mother, not for me. Right. And then Christmas Eve, we did the family tradition, let's go to church, let's go to our mother's church now. We had some time in between Christmas Eve dinner, and then that's when it really hit me, you know, listening to the worship and the message at that time, and then it just really completely, and I can't even explain it, just totally resonated with me. Mm. And then from there, I, I didn't know how to wait seven days until the next message. That's and then amazing. seven more days in between that. And yeah, that's so I, cool. Yeah, started getting involved, you know, yep. and I, I called my mother last night and I said, hey, I'll be on the podcast tomorrow. Don't watch, but I'll be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, I just, and, and, you know, you reflect on it and a year and a half ago when I first started coming, you know, I was saved. Then mm-hmm. I was baptized. I mm-hmm. took all the classes. Hi, Diane, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. she's watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next step ministry. Apparently his daughter's watching too. What is yep. she, one? I don't know how she's no, on she's Facebook. She's eight months. But, and, yeah. yeah. 
And yeah. we, we dedicated your daughter a couple yes. months ago. Yeah, oh. all, all this. It's unbelievable. Who knew that that one invitation or five, not sure. one invitation, that, you know, it was probably 50 invitations. You had but, said it took a year before you, you really came. Yeah. I, I said, okay, thanks, Ma. You know, I'll let you know. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the thing, too, is that sometimes we invite and nothing happens and we think, oh, I failed. No, you didn't. Yeah. You're part of that nudging process. I say this all the time. Yeah. It's a nudge. It's a, how many times do you have to be told about a restaurant before you'll actually go to the restaurant? That's true. Yeah, she never forced us. She just saved us a seat. Was happy we came. We we came Christmas Eve to make her happy. You know, yeah. Let's do it for mom. Right. You know, instead yeah. of buying a gift, let's go to you know, church. But instead of buying a gift, <laughs> <laughs> hey, save money. Yeah. Use yeah. that. Use church. that. Parents, bribe them. Whatever. You whatever know, it hey, takes. Exactly. Get to, but like you said, with uh, the nudge, I mean, it's spreading the seed. We yes. we don't know what seed is going to take know. on the soil. That's right. But some some spread, some water, some reap. So spread That's the right. seed. That's what these invitations are. But I want to get back real quick to Ryan's testimony because you recently had your uh, baby dedicated, and yeah. that was another opportunity, right? To yeah, invite about people. a month ago, and now being so involved, I said this is a great time. Everyone has to come now mm -hmm. because Ava's getting dedicated. Yeah. So I invited all the in-laws and all my family, grandparents, parents, and they've heard so much about her. Yeah. You know. But uh, we had eighteen people come. Yeah. During that service, my sister-in-law raised her hand, was saved, and she's been coming every single week. And she's weekend. been coming, and I met yeah. her in the lobby. That's yeah. awesome. right. It was perfect. Yeah, I know. Wow. And she was standing See? there. Yeah. I, and that's why we uh, the baptisms yeah. too. That's another. The we have baptism weekend we coming that. up this weekend. This weekend. It's a great opportunity yeah. if you're getting baptized or these stories that these people have speak to people. Yeah. So even if it's not you or you know somebody, it's a good weekend to invite people because yeah. these stories just affect people. Yeah. That's you know, why we do the video. Exactly. That's why we insist on you doing the video. I mean, again, yes. we will not force you. So we will baptize you if you are absolutely adamantly opposed. But we we want it to happen because of these stories that we keep hearing mm. of life change. I think I forced people. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm I just kidding. remember an option. No, no. We, you don't remember an option? No, no. And it's I thought I had nothing option. to say. I didn't think anyone would really listen or care. But I've had so many people after no. that still. No matter how yeah. insignificant you think your story is, yeah. God, we always say it. God's going to use it for his yeah. glory. We and talked about true. this too in the pre-meeting, pre, um, which mm. was that your story is not, I hit rock bottom. Yeah. I was no. an alcoholic and I was a drug user and nobody wanted anything to do with me. And then Jesus came and got me. Right. You know, your story is not that. Your story is solid guy, solid, good life. You know, yeah, everything seemed fine. I, I thought everything, you know, I was in control of everything. And, you know, yep. I'd, I'd get mad if I, you know, it didn't go my way. And I was happy to credit if it did, went my, you know, go my way. But, um, you know, everything was fine. I just, it came to church again because my mother wanted me to. Because mm -hmm. of an invitation. I, I didn't realize how amazing life could be. And right. things, you know, I think it's important to note that as I, as I kept coming to church and got baptized, you know, people sort of assume on the outside that life is sort of magical now and it, and it gets better. And I was no. saying during the pre-meeting again that everything got twice as stressful. Yeah. But if I had not come to Water Church, I had not been saved and accepted Christ, there was no possible way I would have been able to handle anything. That, right. That and you had significant life changes that made it twice as, as stressful. Right. It wasn't Christianity. Right. It was your no, baby. Right. Of course. Yeah. Started a new job. New job. Right. Exactly. New yes. Yeah, but you you always say too, your wife, um, you know, not to speak for you, but noticed, you know, the way you handle those situations exactly, is a lot yeah. different. No one knows me better than her or sees right. me more often. And you know, God's she's watching, so God is still doing work on me. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, no one's perfect. Sure. But yeah, they were definitely, you know, I, I handle situations yeah. a lot more differently now. Yeah. And I just want to say, when we're thinking about giving out these invitations or spreading that seed. Sometimes we prejudge and we think that person needs it. This person needs exactly. Christ. We this person that. doesn't. But you, you don't never know. know. You don't know who God's calling out. And, yeah. and Ryan's a great example of that. He might have seemed to have it all together and very much did. But we all need Christ. We all need yeah. to be saved. Oh, yeah. We all need a, a redeemer. So spread the seed. Yep. Hand out those uh, cards seed. that we're going to have ready for you this weekend. Right. Take those with you. Hand them out to everybody you see. And 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 we'll see what the fruit if you is. go to a restaurant and oh. you want to invite the waitress or waiter, yeah, please double your tip. Right. <laughs> no, that <laughs> don't is... replace the tip. Do not replace the tip with your invitation, oh. and do not tip twenty percent with the invitation. You got to dip. You got to tip thirty to forty percent. Maybe even a hundred percent. Bright light. Who knows? Yeah. You got to get their attention. Yeah. You know, Jesus did things that got people's attention, and then he told them, "Okay, now come and follow me." Right. You know, many times we don't realize that the miracles that Jesus did, they were actually signs to point us to the reality that He is what we need. Yeah. You know, we may or may not be healed of cancer, but with Christ, we can face cancer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yes, He can heal. He doesn't. Unfortunately, it's not everybody gets healed, but we can face it. And we can even die from it 
with faith and and hope mm-hmm. because of Jesus. So those things that we those things that Jesus did, they were big signs, they were big miracles, but they were signs pointing to Him. So right. when you Think about inviting that waiter or waitress. You better drop a tip that's going to catch oh, their attention. I, yeah. I, I've been a waiter. I was a waiter for 10 years. Yeah. And some of the worst days were, and nothing, I'm not going to speak back about any religion, but there was a certain religion yeah. that will give you a track instead, instead of a tip. That's bad. And the resentment, the build, because if you're a server, you work for tips. Yeah, you so, kill yourself for tips. You know, Christ wants you to, he raised the law, he didn't lower it, you know, yeah. give above and beyond, let your light shine. He gave food and wine, he found a coin and That's a right. fish, you know, I mean, they're, those are material yeah. things. He gave the example. Yeah. You know, so give, like Tim's saying, a, a very good, generous tip, yeah. and then invite them, and maybe you they'll be know. more willing. Yeah, spread that seed. Let's get into this uh, study, and we'll do some more conversation and inter- interaction as we go along, but because Easter is in two weekends, I want to talk again about this one guy who hung around Jesus and changed the world. Now, when you think about the guys who hung around Jesus, there was 12 guys specifically, and I think, how many of, you ca- how many of them can you name? Ooh. Like, Jesus' disciples. Like We think Peter, James, John. Got it. And <laughs> Judas, <laughs> like not, yeah, Judas, Judas Thomas, uh, who's guy, the doubter. doubter. I mean, like we think about 12 men and we know maybe five, but there was 12 and there was 12 intentionally. You know, mm. Jesus, the number 12 in the Old Testament is applied to the governmental structure of the people of Israel. And the number 12 in the New Testament for the apostles is this is the new government that God is establishing, the new kingdom, the new reign of Jesus through these 12 men who... Every single person in this room, every person who's a Christian on the planet traces their spiritual ancestry to one of these 12 men. Right. It's really, it's pretty powerful to think about that. But if you think about this too, is <laughs> the tw- out of the 12 uh, disciples, there's only, I think I did this, I looked this up last night. It was late. It might not be right. But it was <laughs> s- only seven of them actually say anything in the gospels out of 12. Oh, wow. So five of them, huh. we hear nothing. Yeah. And out of those seven that speak, only three of them really speak more than like three times. So there is something to be said that, you know, the more people talk, the more they're paid attention to and so on. And so, and so you get into the, you know, you make the headlines. So you think about Peter. He does a lot of talking. You know, he's the guy. He jumps out of the boat. He walks on water and mm. takes the risks. He answers Jesus's questions, sometimes very stupidly, sometimes brilliantly. You know, he's the one who steps up on the day of Pentecost and preaches. And we all know about Peter. But if we aren't careful, we will sometimes think, we'll sometimes paint the picture that Peter is the perfect disciple. You know, the, the disciple that everybody should be like. Like, he's the guy, you know, you got to take risks. You know, gotta, you got to put yourself out there and, and you got to try things. And oh, by the way, you got to preach the gospel. Well, there was, tw- there was 11 other guys right. that didn't get out of the boat, that didn't, you know, and Jesus never castigated them for not doing what Peter did. Mm. So uh, the beautiful thing about the church is the church is filled with different kinds of people. Some are Peters. Not everybody's a Peter. Right. In fact, Peter is one out of 12. What's the percentage of that? Less than 10%. Right. So we do a disservice to the church where we kind of almost elevate Peter as like the ideal version of following Jesus. Sure. Yeah. Of course, he's mistake laden and we can, all, we can all like appreciate Peter for that. But not everybody's a Peter. Right. Not everybody wants to get up and share the gospel. Mm. And again, when it comes to invitations, that's, the, that's the, uh, the wonderful thing about just inviting is that you don't have to give them the four spiritual laws. You don't have to describe right. the book of Romans. You don't have to prove the resurrection was a historical fact. Yeah. All you got to do is just say, hey, just, just come. Yeah. Just come. You'll see. See what happens, you know? Yeah. So not everybody's a Peter. And then you think about John. Like John is the longest living disciple. John's the guy who writes a lot of the Bible books, the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation. This guy, anointed of the Holy Spirit, he even refers, he's even referred to in the Gospels as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah. So you think, you know, there's a lot of Christians who are like John. They are very intimate with the Lord. They have this real personal connection with Jesus. and, And they almost talk about it in kind of, you know, for some people, very uncomfortable romantic terms, but they just have an in, a very intimate relationship yeah. with God. Mm-hmm. These are the people I think about. They love worship conferences where they'll stand and sing for hours and they right. don't get tired and <laughs> it's totally cool with them. Yeah. But not everybody's a John. Not everybody wants to sing in worship for, you know, 10 hours straight. Sure. There are Christians that do want to do that. And Jesus loves those Christians, but not everybody has to be John. And so I think about like out of the big three and James, the other member of the big three, Peter, James, and John, James becomes the, the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's a different James. Uh, the, the brother? The, yeah, John's, John's brother is the one who gets executed real quickly. He's like the first martyr out of the 12. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's those people who are willing to lay down their life and, and, and go to the ends of the earth and be missionaries and in some cases get killed for the gospel in the missionary endeavors. I think of Jim Elliott who died on the... Um, uh, what island it was, the Aka Indians there. I forget where it was, El Salvador or somewhere down there in Central America. And, oh, Panama. And he landed and he was he was killed within hours of landing wow. to reach the Aka Indians. His wife, Elizabeth Elliot, eventually went back and won them to Christ. Wow. Powerful story. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. not everybody's a Jim Elliot. Not everybody's a John or a James or a Peter. So those other nine disciples outside of Judas are there on purpose. <laughs> They're there on purpose to teach the body of Christ that mm. we're not automatons. We're not cookie cutter. Everybody has to have the same kind of Christian experience. By the way, that's why there's so many kinds of churches out there. Right. And our church is not for everybody. We want to be available to anybody, but we're not for everybody. Sure. If you don't like, if you hate loud music and noisy light, you know, <laughs> loud lights and smoke, you are going to yeah, hate our it. church. If you don't like fun, don't come. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. But, you know, there's, there's a church, I think there's a good gospel preaching church for everyone. Yeah. And we got, I, I have partners in this area, pastor partners who have completely different churches than me, but they are fantastic pastors who teach the word of God and they're different churches. And mm. it's okay. Not everybody is a light smoke and cameras and action kind of church person. And that's cool with yeah. me. We're trying to reach a certain group of people. They're trying to reach a certain group of people because guess what? We're all different, right. just like the disciples. So anyway, there was nine other guys we don't hear much about. Again, like I said, like only four of those nine guys actually say anything at all in the Gospels. And I want to talk to you about one today. And he teaches us about the power of an invitation. His name is Andrew. <clears throat> I want to give you some headlines about Andrew. He was a fisherman by trade. He was actually Peter's brother. He's from Bethsaida. This is a town. The name Bethsaida means house, house of the fishermen. So he, he kind of like, you know, typecasted himself into fisher fisherman or fisher status there um, by being from that town. Uh, he was a disciple. Many people miss this. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. Before he was a disciple of Jesus. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So he followed John the Baptist before Jesus was even doing his ministry. So he's probably baptized. Probably by baptized John. by John. Yeah. yeah. And then he was introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. Right. When Jesus so, came to yeah. get baptized. When, when Jesus comes along... John says to all of his disciples, he says, look, that's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. And then two guys get up from John's company and go and follow Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so this again, John the Baptist, not John, the brother of James, who was Jesus' disciple. So he was introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist, and then he spent about a day. This is important to note. In John chapter 1, we realize that he spends a day following Jesus before he actually decides to follow Jesus. Oh, wow. It's very, it's a small little uh, notation in the text that he was with Jesus for about a day, and then he decides, okay, I'm going to, this is the Messiah, which I thought that is such a cool thing to just pay attention to, because what I like to say to a lot of people is, come and explore, you know, come and find out what, what did Jesus say? Yeah. You don't have to come to our church believing everything we believe. You don't have to come to our church um, believing that every moral thing we think is moral is moral. And that's why on our website, you don't see our beliefs broadcast everywhere. Like, what do we right. believe? Because that's what we believe. But our website's for people who don't maybe believe like us, and we don't want to create a barrier there by what we believe. Maybe you're going to come to our church for months before you even think Jesus was right about anything. Maybe you're going to come for a couple of years before you believe Jesus is the Son of God. I'm okay with that. It takes time sometimes to get yep. people to cross some, you know, intellectual lines to come to Christ, jump some emotional hurdles to commit their life to Christ. So I think about this. He spent a day with Jesus and eventually said, wait a second, this is the Messiah. Actually, his first words uh, in the scriptures are these words, we have found the Messiah. And I love that. That's his, that's his first line in the Bible. Should be taking notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> should be taking notes, right? You are mentally. Yeah, mentally notes. They'll be up on the page afterwards. But anyway, uh, the video will be. Uh, but the thing about Andrew that I want to just note is that he is most often referred to as Andrew, the brother of Peter. And I think, 
I think that's just that's just how many people can resonate with that. He has got classic middle child yep. syndrome. Oh boy. You know, classic like I always say from my perspective because I know this pastor's wife syndrome, mm-hmm. which is, oh, you're the pastor's wife. And it's like, I feel for my wife sometimes because no, she's Cheryl and right. she's a beautiful woman of God and she's her own person. And so don't make her, her identity, a relatable thing to me. Mm. And it's like for my kids too. And thank God this church on both accounts does not do that much, but there are some pastor's wives and pastor's kids that they really wrestle with that. Yeah. And I think about Andrew, his whole life is summed up by being the brother of Peter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, can it get any worse? Sometimes, as, it yeah. Can, yeah, sometimes that was a very good thing. Sometimes that was a very terrible thing when Peter's like, you know, getting his getting the demons cast out of him by, by Jesus in Matthew 16. Get behind me, Satan. I'm sure Andrew was like, not my brother. Right. Not my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but anyway, how many of you are out there right now? You're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm not a Peter. I'm not a James. I'm not a John. I'm not one of those loud audacious disciples and you think there's no there's nothing that i could do that's of significance and andrew proves you wrong you you might just be an andrew and the good thing is anybody can be an andrew because here's what andrew was andrew was an excellent inviter yeah he knew how to invite people and so three times in the gospel of john three times you see andrew invite somebody to jesus wow i want to talk about those three times the first time john chapter 12 he invites some Greeks to Jesus. And again, we're going we're gonna to work backwards. So we're going to start in John 12, get to John 6, and then John 1. But in John 12, it says this in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, and this was the feast of Passover, were some Greeks. So these Greeks, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Again, same town as Andrew, Andrew is from. And asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Verse 22, Philip went and told Andrew... And then it says, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So there's the feast. What feast? Passover feast. Uh, it, it attracts uh, Jews from around the world. Massive influx of people every year. Uh, three feasts of the year that would draw Jews from around the world to come to Jerusalem. Well, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's about, about a week away from being crucified. And there's some Greeks in town and the Greeks come up and they've been hearing evidently the headlines about this guy who raises people from the dead and heals the sick and feeds thousands. And they want to know, okay, we're interested. But the thing you got to know is they're Greeks, which means they weren't Jews, right? Which means they were Gentiles, which means that by law, by, by tradition, Andrew, a Jewish boy should have had nothing to do with these. Greeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Philip should have had nothing to do with these. Greeks. Mm-hmm. And so what I see here is, that if you notice in the text, it says Philip went and told Andrew. Why doesn't Philip go to Jesus himself? Because Andrew was a connector. Andrew Good. was the kind of guy, look, if you want to bring people to Jesus, bring them to Andrew first. Yeah. He's a great connector. You know, he, knows, he knows how to uh, grease the skids with Jesus. He knows how to get people in with Jesus. Mm. And, and we're going to see why in a moment because we're going to, again, work backwards in John's gospel here. But Philip, obviously, he respected Andrew enough to say, Andrew, I got some Greeks here. They're Gentiles. I'm not sure Jesus is going to be cool with them. They want to see him. What do you think? And Andrew must have been like, what are you kidding me? Of course. That's who Jesus came for. Right. Yep. You know, so, I mean, a- Andrew's been paying attention, too. And that's what it speaks. It speaks volumes to the fact that Andrew wasn't just following Jesus. Andrew was paying attention to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus... You know, ministers to that woman at the well, the Samaritan, right. who's a half-breed Jew. And yep. again, another off-limits kind of person right. for, for good Jewish boys. And Andrew watches Jesus go and minister to this woman with a long conversation and changes her life. Yeah. Andrew's sitting there saying, he's taking mental notes. Yeah. yeah, He's like, okay, wait a second. Jesus is for people who are stranger than us. Right. You know. Not just. Yeah. Not yeah. just people like us. Yeah. And you think about that. That's what an inviter does. An inviter is a bridge to anybody. Yeah. You know, an inviter is a, a bridge to that person who is nothing like the people that come to our church. And we want to be a church for people who are nothing like us. And not just people that look or act like you either. I mean, you can, obviously your friends, you're going to see them at the gym, your workplace, whatever. Yeah. But, but it's going to be somebody that maybe, maybe they swear their heads off, you right. know, who cares? Yeah. They need to be introduced to Jesus. Maybe they get drunk every single Friday night. So what? Introduce them. Yeah. To our church, bring them with you. Let them work on you. Let yeah. them work their hangover off in yeah. service. There you go. <laughs> we'll turn down the music a little bit. Hey, we'll right. give them some nitro brew, yeah. you know, <laughs> on the house. You know, Wake get it right up. up. Yeah. Come and come and learn about Jesus. But the point is, 
we as the church, and we do this unintentionally, we gravitate. The longer we're saved, the more we gravitate to people we're comfortable with in the church. Yeah. Good, solid Christian families, good, solid Christian friends. And the the uh, collateral damage of that is that those people who are far from God don't have anybody who's close to God to say, hey, come on, come with me. Right. Come see Jesus. Yeah. And that's what I love about this moment. It's a small moment in John's gospel. It's not, you know, a huge uh, text that a lot of people preach about, but it's a, it's a hugely important passage because it teaches us how Andrew is a connector. He's an inviter and he's willing to invite those people who are maybe not your kind of people. Right. And so what, uh, Facebook watchers, YouTube watchers, podcast listeners, water church attenders or other church attenders who are inviting to your church and God bless you for doing that because churches are here, are supposed to be here for people. You know, Maybe get out of your comfort zone with that person that you think, oh, they'll listen. And you go to that person that you think, maybe they won't listen. But you know what? Andrew went to Greeks. You know, Andrew invited Greeks. So I'm going to go and who are your Greeks? Go to them. See if they would come to church because maybe it will be the door that will open. Yeah. To an entire group of people. Yeah. I think about the Jesus movement in the 1970s in this country. I was... um. You know, I have a heart for the Jesus movement because my first youth pastor was a Jesus movement disciple, you know, and the Jesus movement were a bunch of hippies that got saved in Southern California. Right. And uh, they were, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll people, long haired, you know, come to church in sandals with and the churches didn't know what to do with these people. Right. Because the churches was like, you know, dress, dress up, Mm -hmm. shirt and tie, uh, very formal hymn books. Just like Jesus dress. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They thought just like him. They thought. Right. And these hippies start coming in, sometimes barefoot, sometimes sandals, sometimes Hawaiian shirts, sometimes nice. no shirt. And the church is like, what? They want to know about Jesus, but they don't look like us. They're nothing like us. Yeah. But thank God there was a guy named Chuck Smith, yeah. you know, who starts the Calvary Chapel movement. And his church goes from 30 people to like 3,000 people in, wow. a, in a couple of months because he said, come on in. Yeah. And he was a connector. Come as you are. He was an Andrew. Yeah. What? What would it take? What would happen to New England if the church just said, you know what? We're actually supposed to be here for people who are nothing like us. Right. And we opened our doors to those people who we thought, no, there's no way God could change them. Uh-huh. Yes, there is a way. Yeah. We're talking about Jesus. He changes anybody. Yeah. Anyway, that's the first story that shows us Andrew's a connector. Second story is in John chapter 6. And this is the boy with the loaves and the fish. It's when Jesus feeds mm. 5,000. And uh, it says in John 6, verse 5, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, again, Philip is involved here, where are, to be, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was about to do. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a bite. And uh, verse 8, it says, one of his disciples, Andrew, again, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. In other words, all right, that's good. Let's get to business. Let's get to work. And I think about this. It's a small thing, and it even doesn't even look that spiritual because, because Andrew, when he brings the boy to Jesus, uh, he even says, well, he's got, a, he's got five loaves and two fish, but you know, it's not that much, Jesus. But at least he has the boldness to try. Right. You know? You got something. Put yourself in the position here where you're surrounded by crowds of people. You're listening to Jesus preach all day. They're getting ornery because they're hungry. You're hungry. You want to go home. You want the crowds to go home. And Jesus says, you know, where are we going to get the food to feed these people? And if I'm Andrew and I see this boy and he's got a bagged lunch, Mm -hmm. it's not even registering in my brain to say, well, Jesus, there is a guy over here with five loaves and two yeah, fish. Do something I, about it. I'm saying to that kid, you know, get out of here. You know, right. <laughs> that's not even close to being enough. Where, yeah. Where's the, you know, the guy with thousands of loaves? But Andrew at least takes the chance. Yeah. And he, and I thought, I, I just wrote this down. He's willing to look foolish for the sake of inviting someone to Jesus. That's good. So some of you out there, oh, well, what if they, what if they say no? Yeah. So what they say no? Yeah. They aren't rejecting you. Don't worry about it. Doesn't yeah. say anything negative about you. You know, maybe, uh, well, what if they get me into a big theological debate? Ignore the theological debate. Yeah. Just say, yeah. hey, man, I'm just telling you that Jesus changed my life and I'm inviting you to my church. Yeah. If you don't want to come, church, no big deal. Find out. <laughs> and you say, what if they ask a question that I don't understand and I don't know the answer to? Just say, I don't know all the answers, but I, but I know who I know. Jesus. Right. He changed my life. Yeah. So the willingness to put yourself out there. Yeah. You know, you huge. guys have... 
you guys have invited. Speak to that for a little bit for yourself. Sure. Like people that you guys, I know you guys regularly invite mm-hmm. people. So speak to that. Well, yourself. I would say just keep at it too, because I remember inviting somebody to a Christmas service and uh, she said, literally, check back with me around Easter. <laughs> and I was like, all right, something's going on in your life, but you're still open to it. You know? Yeah. So I did. I checked back around Easter and then she came that Easter, mm. which was great. I mean, so you never know where people are in their lives, but I would say just keep keep spreading that seed keep yeah. asking and even if they say no the first couple times that's okay you know ryan said no a bunch of times yeah Not for about a year yeah. yeah so keep so keep at it i mean i and ryan you inviting people all the time i mean you're yeah and like time. you said put yourself out there you know mm-hmm. sometimes you invite people in this you know maybe maybe not but you know you're afraid of looking foolish in that you know you get sort of the name calling a little bit sure you know, you're trying to sell me jesus a bible freak. or jesus yeah. freak or the cult and that sort of stuff and just keep going and i think mm-hmm. it's important that people see the change in you yeah and the example and they want that they want to know what the joy is and, yeah. and why are you so different why aren't you responding the way you used to respond or do the things you used to do but it's big putting yourself out there, especially when it comes to the videos or yeah. doing a podcast or, you know, whatever it might be, <laughs> you know, just pray and put yourself out there. And you know, if they love you, they might come to make sure you're just not in you. a cult. No, yeah. yeah. True. I mean, my oh, sisters literally true. came to see if I was in a cult oh, they, wow. and they've come a couple of times. They're like, what's this hand raising? Yeah. But they understood at least by leaving, okay, it's not a crazy right. cult. My brother's okay. <laughs> but I mean, they came for that. So if they loved you and they say, you know, well, it's a cult, blah, blah. Do you care about me? Come and check oh, out. Great. See if yeah. see go. if I'm there in a go. call. A you know, way. you can leverage a lot of things. You know, yeah. the other thing too about putting yourself out there is that eventually the fear wears off. Yeah, like the first couple of times you invite somebody, it's true. Like, and then you invite, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad again. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then pretty soon you're inviting everybody naturally because no big deal. I've done this a thousand times. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like yeah. asking out a girl. If they say no the first few times, you move on <laughs> to the next one. It's okay. Yeah, well, Ryan and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't no, no. Oh, oh, I'm the only single one here. You guys are online, right? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is a fear of rejection mm-hmm. gets, uh, yeah. you, you get past you get that over the, fear. the more you face it right. with anything. So. That's right. Yeah, I was afraid of, I didn't know enough about the Bible. I, I was afraid of answering questions. I had Chris on speed dial just in case someone <laughs> asked me a question. <laughs> and you just, you can't be afraid. Just, just and what is, what you were telling us, what does Chris text you back when you ask him? Just pray. Just pray. I said, no, I need ammunition. I need something. Yeah, you need, yeah, I need ammunition. Yeah. And he's like, here's our, here's yeah. our a weapon, prayer, prayer. Yeah. pray for them. Uh, and when you invite this weekend to, or this week to um, Easter weekend, no, don't just yeah. hand them the invite, but pray for them. Think about praying for them. Even if it's just a short prayer in the car as you drive away or True. when you walk away, just father, I pray you do something with that invitation. Mm-hmm. And Jesus taught us about this. And it's something that we Christians, American Christians don't like to pay attention to, but he did teach us something very important. He said in John's gospel, no one can come to me unless the father first draws him. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to think that we've got to do a better sales job. Uh, no, God needs to do his sovereign work on their heart yeah. to b- draw them to the point where they're willing to listen yep. and hear about Jesus. And so it's God's response. To, it's God's work on people's hearts. And when you're inviting, uh, that takes a ton of pressure off. I'm just the guy that's going to open my mouth and say something. And God's the one who steps in and starts to you know soften the heart massage their will so yeah. they start to take that turn toward church or toward Christ mm-hmm. getting convicted the third time that um andrew invites somebody to jesus and again the power of an invitation check this out uh we got to go all the way back to john chapter 1 verse 35 it says this the next day john was standing with two of his disciples again that's john the baptist and he looked and saw jesus and as he walked by he said behold the lamb of god the two disciples of John, John the Baptist, heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. They, uh, then Jesus turned and saw them following and said to him, Who are, what are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him again that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And here's what it says, verse 41, powerful moment. He first found his own brother, Simon, that's Peter, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Mm. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas. That's Aramaic for Peter. Wow. And so you think about this. Peter becomes the Peter we know. Right. Because of this invitation. Because his brother invited him. Yeah. You know what I mean? On the day of Pentecost, who preaches? 
Peter. Mm. How many people get saved? 3,000. Mm. If you read a little further in the book of Acts, chapter 4, Peter preaches again. 2,000 people get saved. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, he's got a gift. He leads people to Christ in mass numbers. Again, not everybody's a Peter, but somebody introduced Peter. Yeah. Somebody was Peter's evangelist. Right. And it was just a real simple one-on-one, hey, we found the Messiah. Come. And that one invitation is the catalyst so for fruit. Wow. the birth of the church. Yeah. Did, did Andrew yeah. know what Peter was going to be? Yeah. No. Wow. This is my older brother. We used to give each other noogies, you know? <laughs> I right, mean, right. We, you know, we used to make fun of each other around the, the table. I mean, now, now he's changing the world. And I think about Andrew, he fades into the shadows. And we don't hear much about Andrew. In fact, we don't even hear about him in the book of Acts at all. There's no book of Andrew. That There's I'm no aware book of Andrew. Yeah. There's no gospel of Andrew. <laughs> <Yeah>. There's nothing. <laughs> no letter. And so he's, well, we do hear one thing, and I'll share that in just a moment. But okay. We, we don't hear much about Andrew. We hear a lot about Peter, but but without Andrew, you don't get Peter. Yeah. So, you know, again, yep. who just passed away? Billy Graham. Yeah. You know, and this guy's in, this guy's impact on American and world history is reverberating to this day. And it was, and I was reading this yesterday. I was thinking about it. Somebody witnessed to Billy Graham. Yeah. And it was on May. It was in May in 1934. He was 15 years old. He came home from school. And he heard some um, Christians who would, uh, were in a barn. He was, a, he, was a, he was raised on a farm. And they were praying and they were singing so mm. loud that he heard them. And uh, his friend who was with him said, what's going on in the barn? And he goes, ah, oh, dad probably rented out the barn to some fanatics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. Billy Graham, right? Wow. And uh, in that prayer meeting, then the, this is a powerful moment, powerful thing. In that prayer meeting, a salesman named Vernon Patterson was praying in that prayer meeting in Billy Graham's father's uh, barn, right. that someone from Charlotte, North Carolina, would be raised up by God to preach the gospel to wow. the ends of the earth. Wow. Little talk, did he know. Talk about being an Andrew, yeah. yeah. Wow. Little did he know that the boy yeah. was walking out to the <laughs> barn saying, oh, a bunch of fanatics at the same time he's praying. And so then wow. he was, ba- you know, he had been baptized. Billy had been raised in a, a Presbyterian church. He tells the story mm-hmm. often, but uh, or he told the story often. He'd been raised in the Pres- Presbyterian church, baptized, confirmed, went to church each week. But there was no, there was no heart conversion. Like there was no real sense right. of, I know Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference between going to church and yeah. knowing Christ. Yeah. So then the, the, that September of the same year, um, an evangelist came around to his town called Morde- named Mordecai Ham. And he preached an 11-week crusade, and, and, uh, and Billy didn't want to go at first, and he was asked a bunch of times. You know what got him to go to the crusade was his neighbor yeah. uh, who drove a milk truck, um, gave him the opportunity to drive the milk truck as long as he drove it to the con- crusade with him. So he bribed them. He bribed yeah, them. That supernatural, works. Supernatural that works. bribe right here. All right. As a Christian bribe. Hey. <laughs> There's grace for those bribes. Paid off in full. <laughs> Paid off in full. And so, you know, he goes to the crusade, and... The story, even more details that are important. The first night, Billy hates being called a sinner. Yeah. He says, who does this guy think he is telling me I'm a sinner? I go to church. I'm a good person. Billy Graham had that conversation with himself. Yeah. But he talks about how he went home that night after hearing this guy preach, and he could not shake those ideas. Wow. He wrestled with it all night, could not sleep, could not wait to get back to the crusade the next night. Gave his life to Christ that wow. awesome. And little did he know, right? Look at him now. Look at, or look, yeah. how, did look at his know? life. Yeah. And uh, so he um, grew in the faith, uh, started to share his faith with others. One time, um, a friend of his, or not a friend, but an evangelist, uh, stayed at his father's home. This, this evangelist was named Jimmy Johnson, not the football coach. <laughs> yeah. But this, is, this guy stayed at his home, his father's home, and invited Billy to come to um, an evangelistic meeting in, in a jail in a prison. Mm-hmm. And so Billy went and because Billy was uh, telling people about how he had been changed by Christ so willingly all the time, that's why this evangelist decides to bring Billy into the prison. So Billy gets up and, and shares his story of getting saved with the prisoners. It goes horribly <laughs> like he, he, you know, he, and he feels so dejected and so like not called to do anything for God. He says, I guess I'm not called to do this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, little did he know. Right. And so, um, the prayer meeting, the invitations, the invitation to give him a chance to preach, all these things, God worked yeah. to produce Billy Graham. 
for who we now remember him as. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you think about like I this can I tell you what gets me up in the morning to preach with 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 excitement on Saturday and Sunday? The fact that in those seats or online watching could be the next Billy Graham. Right. Wow. Nobody knows. Yeah. But it could be. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the movement of Jesus. And, and you have to hear it. Yeah. All you got to do is invite. All you got to do is grab those invitations this weekend, hand them out. If you yeah. go to another church, you don't go to another church, I encourage you and invite your friends to your church. Right. Because we're the church. We got to be here for the world. There is one last invitation I want to talk to you about, which I thought was so powerful because there's one connection that Andrew made that we don't have recorded in the Bible. And I didn't realize this until today. I was actually looking up Andrew in a, in a Bible dictionary. According to church tradition, according to one of the most um, reliable ancient non-canonical manuscripts, which is non-canonical means it didn't make it into the Bible. Right. Um, according to one of the most reliable non-canonical d- documents of church tradition, Andrew is the one who received a revelation from God one night that the apostle John should write a gospel. Oh, wow. He, so think about it. Yeah. So another, yeah. Luke is often thought of as the first one or Mark. There's a debate which yeah. one came first, Mark or Luke and Matthew. Right. And there's debate about where, when was Matthew written? How many years after Jesus rose again, did Matthew write his gospel? John's the last gospel written is actually, we think most theologians believe it was written around 80 AD, which is 50 years after right. Jesus. The but latest. John lived a long time. Right. And so you think about this, that John's getting up in years and he hasn't written a gospel and Andrew 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 says you know what God told me to tell you you know <laughs> yeah you should be writing a gospel wow and you think about if you read the four gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John John is so different, different. than Matthew Mark and Luke yeah and, and it's actually one of the most important gospels because it teaches us that Jesus is the son of God, not just the son of man. Right. It's the, we, the uh, theologians call it the heavenly gospel It's the divine gospel to show us he's yep. divine. Yeah. And without the gospel of John, where would the church be? That's the gospel. I, I remember reading first, first, and I'm not going to say I got saved through, but that just resonated yeah. the most, you know, so. it's the one that you should introduce people to the Bible through first. read the gospel of John first. And, you think about it. If we don't have Andrew, we don't have the Gospel of John. If we don't have Andrew, so let's recap. If we don't have Andrew, we don't have we don't have the Greeks coming to Christ. We don't have the fi- miracle of the five thousand. It would have happened another way, I am sure, but we don't have it happening in the way that it did. And we don't have Peter, and we don't have the Gospel of John. Ladies and gentlemen, what is waiting to happen on the other side of an invitation that you? give out yeah for absolutely this easter who knows that's the glory of being part of the church yeah easter is coming you're coming to church don't come alone this was the deep end thanks for joining us for this week's deep end podcast we pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church if you don't already have a church home we invite you to join us this weekend at waters church We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.